Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Hi, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on a Tuesday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Trent Condon, myself, Ken Miller, with you for the next couple of hours. We will attempt to talk sports with you and keep it as positive as we absolutely can, although yesterday, not the best of days. On the BMW of Des Moines guest list here today, I'm going to die on this hill. I, <laughs> Brian Arilko from uh, the Iowa... Uh, Racing and Gaming Commission will come on in here. We'll ask Brian a couple of questions. Uh, first and foremost will be, does the state have a uh, an option to curtail, to shut down, to postpone, not postpone, uh, but take games off the board when it comes to college football uh, this coming fall? And we're going to assume that we have that. But Brian and Rilko will join us. That and other topics uh, with Brian uh, related to sports wagering in our state at 1025. As difficult as it seems to play college football this year, high school football finds themselves in the same vein. Gary Swenson, the longtime coach at Valley, will join us at 1045. Uh, we will pick Gary's brain as to how they have, uh, what, what some of their meetings, and I'm assuming that they've been multiple Zooms uh, with um, uh, the boys' union and football coaches around the state as they've watched baseball. Uh, bad day yesterday for baseball and softball, but nonetheless, they were able to get things in. What did football learn for this fall? Matt Rudy's going to join us at 11.15. It is a big tournament this weekend. I think the ratings are going to be uh, through the roof for the Memorial. After all, he's back. Hopefully he's back all weekend. It's been a long, long time since we've seen Tiger out there outside of the exhibition. Indeed, Trent. And um, <laughs> no pressure, Tiger. But right. uh, uh, the network, who has it? Do you know? Is it CBS again? CBS, uh, I think, usually has the memorial. That would be at least my guess is where uh, Mine, be. too. Mine, too. But uh, regardless, whoever has it is certainly hoping for the red shirt to make an appearance on Sunday. And in perfect world, do so very late in the, yes. in the pairings. And then uh, a guy we've never spoken with before. We promise we are going to try and take a look at um, as many of the air quote local MLB teams as we possibly can. James Fagan. Yes. From The Athletic. He covers the White Sox. And the White Sox are an interesting team. This Robert kid, Luis Robert. Yes. Uh, I know you're excited about him. I Big just, dude. He is. And just these, uh, these youngsters that, um, you know, burst onto the scene and. Uh, if you don't know him well in March or April, mm-hmm. by the time the All-Star break gets around, you've certainly seen this kid in the box scores or wherever you uh, f- uh, follow your baseball. So we'll talk some White Sox to end the show as we get ever closer to MLB, which starts... Nine days. In nine days, Trent Condon. The NBA bubble seems to have burst, maybe, a little bit. A couple of guys snuck out, got caught. Um it's going to be difficult. It's mm-hmm. going to be difficult. Uh, these guys, they get down there. I understand. Difficult to stay in the bubble. Uh, the NBA is not as stringent on the NHL. If you break, if you um, break the bubble, escape the bubble, and you get caught, and you're uh, an NHLer, you're done. Put season's over. Just like that. Just like that. No excuses. No wiggle room. No, we weren't sleepwalking. Nothing <laughs> like this. You're, um, you know. Thanks for showing up in Edmonton, Toronto. Make your way back home. Your season has come to an end. 
I hate to say that that's the way you have to be to mm-hmm. pull this off, but I think that if, as I've said for the last couple of weeks, I think if there is a sport that's got a chance, it's hockey, uh, just because they are going to be so strict. College football, on the other hand, Trent, you, you can't ask these kids to be in a bubble. You, you just can't. It, it's impossible. It's impossible to have them in a bubble. We're not it's talking expensive. about... expensive. Yes, and we're not talking about professional paid athletes. That's just it. You can't do it in the same uh-huh. vein that you're talking about these professional mm-hmm. leagues where these guys are getting paid hundreds of thousands, if not tens of millions of dollars, depending on the different player that you're talking about. On the professional ranks, you can pull off a bubble. Now, but there are going to be people that are going to break it, as we mm-hmm. found out. You're going to have to deal with that. But I think this is also a learning moment for the NBA and especially for these players understanding the one, the center that just went out to pick up something to eat. Pick up some food. Yeah, yeah. went to meet his, what, DoorDash guy or whatever it was, and, well, left the quote-unquote bubble in Mm -hmm. order to do that, and because of that, he's going to be out for, what was it, 10 days, something like that? Yeah, there's a quarantine period, yeah. ten to fourteen. I'm not exactly certain, but it's again, it's not as strict as the uh, as the NHL. We'll see. Uh, Somebody we'll, was going to do it, and here yeah, it was. And, and it's better to happen now. Yeah, but they won't be the last. Sadly, that's the worst part about it. Once the games get going, though, I hope you're right. And man. people are in the throes. You have of it. more confidence than I do in them. I do, and I still have confidence in a lot of different aspects. But overall, things they're going to have to morph. They're going to have to change. Now, I have come full circle. I don't expect to see college football this fall. No, nor do I. Did I, you read Pete Thamel's piece yesterday at Yahoo.com? I didn't. I heard his podcast, mm. him and uh, the other... Wetzel. Yeah, Wetzel and mm-hmm. Forty, who do their podcast. I listened to a little bit of that on my way in this morning, and that's one thing that they were talking about was his article. I haven't we had get accused of not being positive. Yeah, right. I mean, if you're if you're one of that's that's accusing, that doesn't like the negative, or some people would say realistic look at things... Uh, don't read Pete Thamel. Don't click on it. Don't read it. It'll piss you off. It's um, it's damning. It's it's damning. It's, it's, I mean, he's all he's gone so far, and he's not alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 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 winters, the January, February, March. Um, there's school presidents that that do not want this. Apparently, now there's going to be athletic directors. Mm-hmm. And Jamie Pollard's letter yesterday, I, I can't give enough credit for how he's handled this trend. It's just so transparent, and I know he's taken a lot of shots from fans with the black and gold for his letter yesterday. As That's part and parcel of it, right? Yeah, and right. Uh, we we come to expect no less. And and I'm glad that the uh, the rivalry maintains the uh, the the heat that it does. But I thought Pollard's letter was fantastic yesterday. Spelled everything out, put the finances out there. Um, it's it's damning it's ominous it's not good news by any means as to what the ramifications would be of not having football in the fall and it's not just his athletic department this is around the country oh no doubt and and this isn't something that just is an iowa state problem or is just a big 12 problem this is a problem for everybody we're talking about a power conference but the minor conferences how much they're going mm. to struggle and and that is I guess maybe the saving grace of all this, if you are hopeful beyond hope that there is going to be some form and fashion of college football, is it going to be even 10 games? I don't think so. I don't either. Could it be three, four, five, something I like that? I think you take what you can get, Trent. Yeah, You've got to put some way. money in the bank. I think it's going to start. I do believe it's okay. going to start. I don't think it's going to finish in the fashion, though, that we believe at least it looked like even a week ago when the Big Ten came down with their announcement of the 10-game schedule. I don't see that happening. Here's the reality of the situation. There are going to be student-athletes that will be stricken with COVID-19. No question. And there is going to be, at some point, we haven't heard about it yet, even with these huge number of cases that we've heard, we have not heard about one hospitalization. 
Not mm-hmm. the power structure, not at the lower league structure. We have not heard about one hospitalization. But it is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Just by percentages, it will happen at some point. And as we said yesterday, I'm not sure we'll hear about hospitalizations. Oh, we could. And I think it'll depend on the kid if he wants that out uh-huh. there. And I think there'll be plenty that want to yeah, tell I would their story. Think it would come to... It would come from the kid, not from the school. Right, yeah. And and that's the way it's going to be. They're going to have to give the okay to do it, but that is going to come out. And when that comes out, there's going to be a lot more handwring, and there's going to be a lot more, boy, are we doing the right thing. Well, look at high school baseball in Iowa. There's a mm-hmm. lot of the naysayers. See, I told you. I told you it's ridiculous to try and start this up. Look what's happening in Iowa. You've, we're having programs shut down all the time. You, you, you put the game ahead of your... High school students. I mean, we're hearing that now. Yes, that that is at least their selling point. Mm-hmm. I, I would counter back again with, do you think these kids, if they weren't playing baseball and softball, were social distancing? No, of course not. Right? No, no, it, no, no. This no, is no, not no. going to be, this does not create this bubble that kids are going to stay away from everything. Same thing as it pertains to school, be it college, high school, elementary, whatever you want to talk about. These kids are not just going to be sitting around no. for months on end just waiting for the elementary a kids probably would but certainly they're still the going to high... be they're still getting together with kids mm. parents are not just going to have them live in a bubble a small percentage of people will do that yes mm-hmm. is that less than 1% i would think so that there is no social interaction that there is absolutely no contact with the outside world it's not reality. Mm-hmm. And the reality is... Do you is, think school happens this year? I do. You do? I do. I don't think it does. West Des Moines is going forward with their no, plan. No, but I saw... Didn't I see yesterday that the family gets to decide? Yes. Isn't that their plan? Yes. So if you want to send your kids, you're, you're, willing, you're, you're, I mean, you're able to do that. Mm-hmm. But if you want your kids to stay at home, is it the same class that they would be a part of? Yes. Yeah. And they so would do it... So there would just be a camera in and there'd be some students that would be sitting mm-hmm. in the classroom. There'd be some students sitting in front of a, of a computer. We are looking at a lost generation though of young kids i've talked to many parents of kids of older kids mm-hmm. that they're high not school, just a year finishing. not just a year setback an entire lost generation you think we're we're ten, trending in that direction if kids don't get back to school come on you can't lose a year and a half of school but when you when you start them where they left, left off i mean you'd you'd start everything a year later I, on, in your online life. learning is not even close to in person yeah. it is not even close oh, look i don't envy you or anybody people. else that has young kids at home i don't I mean, I do normally, <laughs> right, but you yeah, know, yeah. In, when it comes to education, I just don't, I don't envy you. Because doing it online, it doesn't work in the same mm-hmm. fashion. It certainly doesn't work for elementary age kids, age kids, and really any fashion. Well, and the social aspect learning? of it, too. I mean, how yes. do you pass notes online? Right. Do kids still pass notes? Well, they do, and, and there's still interaction, but it's not the same. In-person interaction is important. It's important to the development of everybody, and without that you are looking at a very, very scary situation, mm-hmm. the future of these kids growing up, not just the learning aspect, and then the people and the young kids that are behind and how much further they're going to fall mm-hmm. behind. My wife's an educator. I was an educator for years. Ultimately, if it would come to that, my kids are going to be okay, I feel, because we have that background. That's not the case for a sure. huge population of the people, though, that don't have that kind of background. You see the increased number of cases of all kinds of abuse that is happening mm-hmm. with young people. Of course, we talked about food with the Food Bank of Iowa and what they've yep. tried to do. There are so many hurdles that are still out there. Getting these kids back, getting them back to some sense of normalcy. Yes, there is a percentage, but that percentage for kids under 18 is minuscule. The chances of them dying from this disease. And, well, we'll, we'll just wait till spring and get a vaccine. Will we? No. Because I, I the first so. SARS, what was that, a decade ago? There's still no vaccine. Right.
There's no guarantee there's going to be a vaccine here. No, there's not. There's not. It's it's uh, far from a guarantee. We'll see, Trent. It's um, it's the it's the great unknown. Nobody knows. Nobody knows if um, you know, kids can are are carriers of the, of this disease. If they can pass it on just as anybody else. If they can be super spreaders, we don't know. We know we know that it's you're in deep water if you have a pre-existing condition and you're mm-hmm. senior citizen. Yes, in, right. you're in deep water. We know that. But we don't know enough about uh, the school age kids and the college kids, etc. So we'll see. Uh, yesterday was a bad day. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can look at it any other way. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that are saying the quiet part out loud that there will be no football until at the earliest, the fall of 2021. Let that sink in. And what's that going to do for athletic departments around the country? They're not going to survive. They're not. Not the way they know it. And all these projects that they've got going because they have to spend the money in their bank accounts, right? Mm -hmm. You can't keep it in there if you want tax exemption or a lot of these tax laws to apply to you. And they've been spending that a mountain of cash, and it has been a mountain of cash. And, uh, things were never better uh, in, in athletic departments. They couldn't spend it fast enough and come up with enough projects to entertain them. Um, now all of those have to be put on hold. And my God, that rainy day fund, I'm not going to need it. Right. right. Well, I mean, unless there's a pandemic. Yeah, it's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Last time it happened was 1918, for crying out loud. And think of how far we've advanced in the last 100 years. No <laughs> way something like that could happen today. Here we are. Yeah, no, we're, we're absolutely here. All right, so let's get into things. The uh, The SEC had their meeting yesterday. Um, I don't know if if, uh, if the unnamed source was an SEC uh, athletic director uh, that was part of that meeting, but uh, they're going to try and hold out, Trent. They're going to try and hold out as long as they can and hope for the, you know, <laughs> keep hearing third and long, <laughs> you know, fourth and ten, and you have to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, those type of uh, uh, those type of analysis when you when you're trying to describe what's going on. But they're going to hold out as long as they can in hopes that this curve starts to flatten a little bit. Mm-hmm. And look, it, it's exploding in a lot of the southern states right now florida arizona texas south carolina the sec footprint is um and i know not all those obviously arizona has pac 12 i get that uh but you get my point that in the south that's exploding and if there's a way that you know in these next three weeks that the curve can start to trend downwards instead of the u that we're in right now because it went up then it came down a little bit now it's going back up it's forming the u um Boy, we had it. We didn't we? I mean, yeah. go back to Memorial Day. It looked like we had this gosh darn thing uh, headed in the right direction, but it's not now. But they're holding out hope that the curve can start to go back down, and at least a glimmer of hope that they can, you know, attempt to where you are to at least start the season, mm-hmm. get a start of it, and and go forward. I want to go back to kind of where we started with the high school angle. Mentioned Southeast Polk yesterday. Their mm-hmm. season came to a close. Bondurant Farrar, both yeah, of them. Bondurant Farrar went down. Oskaloosa is awaiting some tests in softball. They're ranked in the top 10 in their class. Mm. I have another really good team that might not even have a chance to play in the playoffs. And, and it goes on and on. And this is going to happen. We're going to talk to Gary Swenson, the Valley coach at 1045. And one thing that I do wonder, going back to when Governor Reynolds made the proclamation allowing high school baseball and softball to begin, mm-hmm. there's a lot of excitement, but yep. also understanding, all right, what were we going to put into place in order to have a fall sports season at the high school level? Excuse me. In order to do right? that. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. In order to do that, you are going to have to change the rules that are currently in place 
for baseball and softball. At the time, baseball, softball coaches, athletic directors were willing to basically try anything Mm -hmm. in order to make this work. And what they put in place was an automatic quarantine if there was anybody associated with the program. But that's not statewide, right? Because didn't Keith Murphy point that out last night that Helan... Helan, the Helan situation is very odd. But it's, but it's, don't you think it should be statewide rules that are in place? It should be. Now, the way that the Helan direction went, it was from the softball side. And they said with, they went back and they tracked it and they said there was not a connection. There was not close proximity between the softball and the baseball team. That's why softball, their season ended, but not baseball. We've seen every other team, though, that has had that together mm-hmm. and both teams then end their season. Which, on the surface, at least not knowing more about it, if the softball and baseball teams aren't practicing together, aren't right. riding the same bus, right. it's probably the way that it should be. So that's step one. I mean, if the volleyball team coming up this year at East, they have a case, doesn't mean the football team has to shut it down, right? I understand baseball and softball fields are very close to each other. Proximity is a little bit different. But if that happens, the other part is if you're able to test everybody and everybody tests negative on your squad – you quarantine that individual player, coach, whatever it may be. They're 14 days. They need the multiple tests negative that come back, and they can come back. But until that, to suspend the whole team because of one positive case, I just don't think the likelihood of you being able to play a full football, volleyball, cross-country mm-hmm. schedule, doing that with the parameters that are currently in place. They're going to have to go back and reconfigure that if they want false sports I don't think they can do it in the same fashion that is set up, at least right now. No, I, I, I'm with you, and I don't know how you're going to, um, you know, test all of those kids. I mean, mm-hmm. do do they have? We, we, let's get Chris Cuellar on the show tomorrow. Okay. Um, do we know what the what the protocol will be for high school kids as far as testing? And is that something where it's up to the individual family? Do right. they go through Test Iowa? Do they have to do it through a clinic? What is that, and what is in place? If it's encouraged because you do it through a clinic, well, if you have the mm-hmm. insurance, it's good. But if not, right, it's coming out of pocket. When you when you got tested last week, I know <laughs> that there's a lot of a lot of the states that are really struggling uh, w- with the time between the test and the time you get results. Right. I mean, it can be six, eight days in some cases, even more than that. So the test is completely useless when you when you get your result, especially if you are asymptomatic and you're positive and you did the test, but you don't get it for eight days. You decided not to stay in for the eight days while you result, mm-hmm. and you're out there and who knows how many people that you've touched or or have picked up the disease from you. Um, so until we can until we can narrow the winter from the time of test to result. I don't know how you're going to, I don't know how we're going to flatten the curve, but we'll save that for another day. Do you know? I mean, it what? was quick for me again. Mm-hmm. And the first time we two both days, took it, right? It wasn't even, I mean, it was more like 28 hours yeah. when I had the results back on both of them. I took one right after we found out that Chris had it. Yeah, right. And uh, got it taken, what, the next day, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Tuesday, we found that out. And Wednesday afternoon, I had the test, yeah. had the results by Thursday night. Same thing last week. I took the test Thursday afternoon at three o'clock. Had the test results by Thursday at like six. Well, that's pretty darn good. That's a that's a turnaround. Yeah, twenty seven. That's 28, really good. Twenty eight hours right in that range for both mm-hmm. the tests that I took, and both of those were through Test Iowa. So if you can get that kind of turnaround, no, that's good. You're, you're you can't ask for shape. much more. No, you can't ask for much more. I don't want it, know what it's like if you go to one of the clinics though, and you do it that way. I don't know what the turnaround time is, but at least through Test Iowa, yep. you got your results back about the same. Period. I did mine on Thursday, and sometime. 
by the time I went to bed on Friday night till I got back on Saturday morning, my the test results were in my are on my phone. So le- certainly less than forty eight. Oh, hours. I'm way less than forty eight. I would say thirty six. Like, yeah, somewhere somewhere uh, somewhere in the uh, vicinity of what you were doing. So mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be difficult, Trent. We know high school yeah. football is going to be a um, uh, a difficult proposition to pull off. Gary Swenson is going to join us at ten forty five because I have to think that right now, well, they're like a, I don't know, would would they be a week or two weeks away? From the start of fall camp, I think they start in early August. I think, and seven on seven is going on. How long is it, Trent? Um, training camp starts what early? Early August, I want to say. Right, early August. That, it, I think so. Maybe late July. Even. Late July. Well, I know a lot of teams. Seven on seven was always a big deal about this. It time. was, yeah, and and usually. There's the actual start date, but then that week before they have their quote-unquote camp. Yeah. So it's an extra week kind of in there. Yeah. So, yeah, last week in July and then into early August is when they get started. So what you're probably looking at, maybe the 27th of July is when those mm-hmm. camps get started and the week after mm. official practice goes for, for football. All right. Uh, Brian Rilko from the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission coming up momentarily. Gary Swenson, the head coach of Valley, in about 25 minutes. Look forward to uh, speaking with him. Uh, Matt Rudy on golf. Uh, and then uh, James Fagan from... From the Athletic covers the Chicago White Sox. We will take a look at the White Sox. So that means we'll cover the Cubs. We've got the Cardinals. We've got the Twinkies. we got the Royals. We've got the White Sox after today. Who are we missing? The we Bre- got one left, the Brewers. Uh, Pete wants to join us. Pete, uh, welcome to the program. How are you? Good. Uh, how are you guys doing? Good. Um, so there's a big missing point in, in all this testing or sports is that the testing is not one accurate two as of right now. So I know of kids who are either participating in summer activities with their sports teams or doing other things. And they, I know at least of two examples where the kids were exposed at a party or, or through a girlfriend or, and the mom or dad knew and they were nervous about COVID, so they had them tested every other day. And the kid came back negative three times before coming back positive. And so, and so it took a week for him to turn positive on one of the tests. Hmm. And so how do you yeah. say, oh, well, you know, some companies are saying, if you're exposed, go get a test. If you're fine, you can come back three days later. Other places are saying two weeks mandatory. Mm-hmm isolation so there's like inconsistencies of that and the tests themselves they say can be 30 percent false negative or for false positive so you can't still pete is is that the still is that still the uh the case with the testing that it still suffers from accuracy issues yes and that's why like the dowling coach came back negative at first Mm -hmm. and then they sent it off for more extensive testing and it came back positive so that's how that happened that wasn't just a misread it was actually a a faulty test from uh, from what i understand they do an initial test of everything yeah and then send it off for uh so like some of those quick tests they're they're inaccurate or they provide slight positive or slight negative and so then they send them off for additional like a more thorough test and that's how they come back either different or the same so i don't know mm. that's why some of these tests take like a week to get results back because they're sending them out for a full and that's how these quick tests in any any of these 
um, uh, disease, you know, virus checks or, you know, even like strep tests. You get that quick, you go in for like a strep throat test, they give you that quick result. Mm-hmm. About 80% of the time, it's inconclusive. The doctor's like, well, you don't have symptoms, so I'm going to say negative. And then the other times, they try to tell you, well, you have symptoms, we're going to start treating it, and we'll send it off for verification. <laughs> and so 80% of the time, you're like at a strep test for kids. Most of the time, they show up as inconclusive because mm. the quick ones. And so then you have to go and send it off and pay the extra 60 bucks to get a for sure answer if you want one, or you just treat it and say, forget it, I'll their sister had it, so I'm going to treat it as if they have it. That's scary. Yeah, um, I'm Pete. Not that I don't. Uh, not that I doubt you. I don't. Um, where, where did yeah. you uh, gain all this knowledge on this? Are are, is, are you? I have kids who participate mm-hmm. in 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 club activities mm-hmm. from swimming, and I was a high school coach for 25 years. And I actually started. Uh, I'm in IT now, but I started school pre med, so I spent six years working in an emergency room and hospital. So, <laughs> thank you for the info, Pete. Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, good to talk to you. Thanks. Get back to us and uh, call anytime. Um, so, so what he's saying is, I could have been positive on my. You could, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm not doubt. I'm not doubting. Well, because they say symptoms can be anywhere from two to fourteen uh-huh. days before they show up that's after true. initial. That that's another scary part. We just we don't know. This is unbelievable. This is what time we're living in. KXNO and iHeart want to help you with your bills. Text the keyword WIN to 200, 200 right now. Your chance to win $1,000. That's WIN to 200, 200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Can the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission shut down college wagering on college football? Can they? I I think think so, yeah. Uh, They can take something off the board if there's uh some kind of funky activity you, happening in betting would you think that this would um that you'd be well versed or, or uh, well served to read the house rules yes yeah, from absolutely. every from every bit yes. one of the wagering companies that you partake with yeah have you ever read them i never have no no not at all i'm just firing <laughs> right uh miller and condon till noon brian rilko next we're late to get him we'll do so after this it's 1460 kx and oh and 106 no Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. You here until noon. Uh, still to come this hour, head football coach Valley, Gary Swenson, will join us in about 15 minutes. Right now, Brian Arilko from the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission. Believe it or not, Trent, there were $12 million wagered on sports. <laughs> no way. Yes, in the month of June. Not sure what people were betting on. You know, we joke about my sickness, but goodness gracious. $12 million bet in the month of June. Brian Arilko from the IRGC joins us. Brian, how are you? Doing good, Ken. Trent, good to be here. Uh, am I reading this wrong? Twelve million dollars. Twelve million seven hundred eleven dollars wagered on uh, seven hundred eleven thousand uh, wagered on sports in the month of June. What was that? Uh, where was that money wagered? Uh, what sport, Brian? Any idea? Yeah, uh, uh, primarily at NASCAR, uh, Golf. UFC, 
uh, in golf. I mean, we're still getting uh, a little bit of that, but um, I think uh, there's some pent up demand, and, <laughs> and if we can get something uh, something rolling, we may have some good months in the future. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I I looked at it uh, knowing that you were coming on, and I was surprised that that was uh, that there was that much w- uh, money wagered on sports in the month of June. Well, let's get to where I one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, Brian. We love speaking with you. It's it's been my belief since the oh for the last couple of months, and Trent completely disagrees with me. Thinking I'm absolutely nuts and wishes that I would drop the topic. You've lost. <laughs> <laughs> move on but i'm not because i can't brian and, and and especially if i'm in your shoes uh because you know that there's going to be someone that wagers on what regardless of what college football team i know you can't wager on the two in staters yet um but or uh, well you can it's just not on the head props. to head stuff yeah. props but there's going to be a game where i think i'm getting this unbelievable quarterback and he's worth at least the way i figured out he's worth you know whatever a touchdown um more than uh more than his backup uh but i don't get him and i had no idea that he's listed as uh, uh, as part of, or we've come to find out later he didn't play because he has the virus as you well know there's an injury report in the nfl that's mandated there isn't in college football brian and i believe that um you know somebody's going to make a wager and they're going to come to you guys do you guys have a fallback as to how you're going to handle this and can you force uh the properties to take these college football games off the board yeah, no, it's it's actually just a fascinating conversation, and we can talk hours uh, uh, as to what the right answer is. And so, it, it, this is going to be something that's going to happen this year. And and there's and there's different ways um, that we could approach I, approach the situation. I think uh, where we've landed is un- unfortunately it really is going to be a situation this year where I think most of the players. Um, we're all going to have to uh, proceed uh, at our own risk and knowing uh, using the best information that we have available. And I think everyone in the wagering community, I think us as regulators, would love to have something similar uh, to what is there for the NFL. But really our options are, are, are limited. I think the commission could certainly set a rule. We could set a rule in Iowa that would say if the market is going to be offered to the general public, then there has to be uh, uh, an injury list uh, available. The problem with that is uh, there's really two things. One, it's it's a short-term uh, a problem, assuming that we do have a vaccine. And generally speaking, it's not a good idea to write rules for, for short-term issues. But the second and probably the biggest problem is it's really then a game of chicken with the NCAA. And, and, and the reality of it is, is I'm afraid we'll lose. I mean, I think if we were to write a rule like that, we could uh, essentially write the market completely out for Iowans. And maybe if some larger jurisdictions, New Jersey, uh, Nevada were to jump on board, you know, maybe that would help. Um, but I think, uh, unfortunately, I think, you know, what we're going to see is a situation where, where, um, you know, this COVID-19 world is going to be different. We're, we're going to see de- decreased play by a lot of the more mm-hmm. serious or significant uh, betters just because there is significant risk involved in wagering, uh, during this period. And I think, 
Yeah, you know, in the fall, it's probably wise to just kind of keep one finger on your wallet. It may not be the same uh, sort of situation uh, uh, that uh, people were accustomed to playing in, in, you know, in 2019. So anyway, uh, you know, that that is what we're dealing with. And, you know, there are uh, options, but I don't think there are very many good options um, that are available at this time. There was an adage for a long time uh, by college coaches across the country. You know, the guys in the desert know more about my team than I do. Hmm. When it comes to that and finding out this information, you guys, of course, can see the numbers and the amount of wagering that's coming. And if something flips it, you're going to take it off the board. But in terms of rumors, rumbling, we believe this quarterback, this running back, this receiver is out because they've been stricken with COVID-19. How that works for you. And then when it comes to that point, either adjusting the number or or completely taking it off the board. How does that go through the process? Take us through that process of ultimately taking a game off the board. Yeah, so so what will happen typically is uh, if we have integrity partners that we uh, utilize, um, so, so it's really a, a layered approach. So the first thing would be is if we're starting to see uh, some patterns that are irregular with with regard to that market, um, you know, that would be the first uh, uh, factor and we would get that information and, and work with the books. Um, we would have the authority to call off a certain game if we needed to, but in many times the books have the same concerns that the commission would have and that they want fair activity. You know, they don't want someone uh, uh, getting information or having information that uh, no one else has. It will um, change the lines uh, in a way that uh, is is not normal or not fair. And so, you know, it's important for the books to have a market where there's integrity and, and, and fairness. And so they're looking for the same things. And so we will use our integrity partners. The books have their own integrity partners. They have their own sources. And then all of the regulators are in communication with one another. I mean, our market, it's a good market, but we're, you know, not top five in the U.S. And so it's important for us to be communicating with some of the other larger markets so that we know if they're seeing something that we can uh, look as well. And so, uh, you know, I do think some of those those uh, secondary message boards and, and things like that are going to be important this year. It's true. But it's no different than any other year where sometimes, you know, you read that and, 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 you know, sometimes the information isn't good. And so you have to kind of sift through what's good and what isn't good. Uh, we're talk- speaking with uh, Brian Rilko from the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission. That's, a, that's an excellent point. And, you know, you mentioned the integrity partners that you have. And, like, they pay attention um, every week. That That's their job, after all. But it just seems to me, Brian, that they, that they will be – this will be under a microscope uh, if, from, from Saturday to Saturday or, you know, whenever the game is uh, going to be played. They will watch this close, uh, closer, perhaps, than they ever have in the past for that betting irregularity, as you mentioned. So if they spot that, take the public through, um, you know, once the, once they've spotted an irregularity or pattern of, uh, of wagering that just doesn't seem normal for this type of game, what do they do then? Do they contact you as the, as the regulator or do they contact the, the, the book uh, that the wager was placed at or both? It would be both. 
the statute in Iowa would require them to contact the Racing and Gaming Commission, so it would be our office, and then our office has a mandatory report to the sports leagues, the gov- so the governing body, uh, also to the books, and to local law enforcement. In this case, uh, you, you know, well, depending on the situation, I suppose it could it could be uh, it could be a situation um, um, uh, where we you know where they would look into things. But but if it if we see the irregular the irregular betting, uh, the report would come to us, and then we have a mandatory report for for three other uh, entities or organizations, and then uh, you know we would respond quickly if we're seeing the type of a regular betting activity that was reported to us in our market, we would respond quickly to the books uh, and, and, and direct them to take down the market uh, temporarily until we could figure out uh, what, what was happening. Brian, I saw a couple of weeks ago that the Detroit Tigers became the first major league team to officially partner with the casino, not just signage and endorsements and the like, but going even a bit further than that. At the college level and in the state of Iowa, it's different because we don't have your big four professional sports here, but is there a path for the University of Iowa, Iowa State University, you and I, and on down from there, to partner with a specific casino and sportsbook? Is that something that's even an option for those schools? Hmm. Yeah, there is no statute or law that would prohibit that. It would really be a policy call uh, for the institution or university, and so you know, it, it would be something that, um, you know, would be a possibility. But that uh, uh, relationship that you described, um, you know, this is we're starting to see uh, lots of other economic benefits of sports wagering. And so we're seeing these direct marketing ties um, for, uh, with the books to the various sports leagues. Um, but uh, we're also seeing a lot of content providers. And so I think that's kind of the next step. Um, uh, is is getting the media and the in the contact uh, or the games posted or shown on you know everyone's devices and I don't think you know we're still a year or two away but I think at some point um, you know that will also be another way um, that we're gonna we're gonna see revenue drive from sports wagering that's not directly um, uh, uh, tied to a bet and so there's lots of different ways uh, for people. To make money in this industry um, that aren't necessarily directed to wagering, and so that's been kind of what uh, something that's been fun to watch here as as this industry uh, is starting to take off. Uh, Brian, last thing for you, Brian Rilko, Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission. It's always that nobody does, but it's in everyone's benefit if you're going to wager on sports to be familiar with the house rules. Um, and I, and I believe they – is there a one-size-fits-all? Is it an Iowa rule, or do all the companies – essentially, they're mostly the same but could have a couple of differences, or are they all the same in Iowa? No, they are all a little different, yeah. um, although as it relates to the refund policies um, – in, in which you know you bring up an excellent point. I mean, this is something this year. Uh, you know, if you if you wait, have a prop bet on a particular player that uh, doesn't uh, move forward because of a COVID nineteen positive. Uh, you know, uh, uh, my uh, depending on uh, the refund policy. Um, you, you know, typically you would get your money back for that bet, and that uh, um, is typically the case. For those types of situations across the board in Iowa, but it would be more of the um, obscure types of, of things that we might see um, 
some differences. And so it is important. Every house rule uh, is uh, is required to be posted on the individual betting site. Mm-hmm. Some are harder to find than others, um, but anyone could contact our office. We approve those house rules and have copies of every single book that's licensed in Iowa and can send those to players. And, and you know, quite frankly, a lot of our work uh, is – um, trying to uh, mediate disputes between customers uh, and the books. Uh, to, to the book's credit, we don't get a lot of those calls. Um, you know, my concern is we may get more this year just because of the, the COVID-19 uh, situation. But uh, but anyway, if anyone is looking for those rules, um, you know, we do have them. They are required, though, to be posted on each individual website. Brian Arilco from the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission. Uh, you're right, Brian. I think you're going to be a lot busier uh, with those uh, gripes, disputes, whatever you want to call them, uh, as, as we hopefully, fingers crossed, get to football. Brian, thank you, as always. Great to speak with you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Brian Arilco from the IRGC. Uh, we're late. Let's get right to Gary Swenson. Trent will take a time out. Gary Swenson from Valley. How in the world are we going to pull off high school football this fall in the state of Iowa? Gary Swenson uh, will join us next. Miller and Condon till noon, 1460 KXNO and 106. Uh, Ten minutes before the hour of 11, let's get right to Gary Swenson, the head coach of Valley. Tigers always a perennial championship candidate in our state. Uh, And the coach joins us. Coach Swenson, uh, Trent Condon, Ken Miller, good to reconnect with you, Coach. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Appreciate you coming on, Gary. How are we going to pull this off this fall? Um, we've seen baseball. I, I think it's great that they started. I really do. I feel uh, great that the kids, especially the seniors, obviously got that one last opportunity. Um, let's start with that. So what, if anything, did football learn from the way baseball uh, pulled things off uh, from January and into or June rather and into July? Well, I think we were all glad it was able to start. And, you know, there's been a few bumps, but I can't believe anybody, even people that had to suspend their season, would feel like it wasn't worth trying. I mean, everybody got to play some. Unfortunately, some were done long before they had planned to be, but I still think whatever they got in was a plus if you compare it to the spring. You know, that's what I think everybody's trying to avoid. I think the key for the fall is... The first key is, you know, are we in school? Are we in session? I think, I think if we're, if we've got kids in seats and we're conducting some type of learning, even if it's remote, if there's some type of plan that has school off and running, I think we have a chance to conduct, you know, extracurricular programs. And then it, what type of guidelines you have to follow, I think, are going to be reflected by what type of activity you're trying to direct. Are you considered a, you know, a high or a medium or a low-risk activity? With football, we're put in that high-risk category as far as transmission. So now what, at least I don't know, or at least I'm not aware of any specific guidelines that have been put out there yet, for us, are we going to follow the baseball model? I, I don't know. That would be difficult for us to conduct any type of season if we do. But 
you know, I just think we're hoping that we can put this thing together and get off on time, and then we just go with it, you know? I mean, I'll take whatever we get. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I would rather try than just cancel it, you know? we, We all want to play some football and hopefully we can i just don't know what that's going to look like yet you know there's a lot of thought about pushing football season be it high school college or even the nfl into the spring and hopefully things will be better at that point what logistically how difficult would that be to pull off and not knowing even when practice would start for football in the spring and getting games going how difficult would that be it's not going to happen here Mm. I, i can just I can tell you that right now. It's not going to happen in our state. I think it, I think there are places it could probably fly. But look at it this way. Okay, you take all of our spring programs that lost their seasons. And if if you're just bumping football back and not moving anything else, we, we just don't have student population to conduct all those programs on top of each other. I mean... We've got a state championship track program here. A good portion of the athletes in that program come out of our football program. So that's not going to work. I mean, it just isn't. Now, if you're talking about flipping the seasons, I know that's been put out there a lot. Well, let's just run the spring programs in the fall and the fall programs in the spring. That sounds easy. I think it's a logistical nightmare for our athletic association, and I'm not sure the schools have any interest in that. If it's to just salvage a football season, I suppose that might work in certain places, but I don't see that model flying here. I just do not. Now, in lieu of having our season canceled, sure, I'd I'd like to play it at some point, but You've got so many factors involved there. I, I, I just don't know how you would do it. I mean, just think about what a big part of the Iowa, even high school track season, the Drake Relays are. Yeah, right. Well, you, you think they're interested in moving to November with that <laughs> yeah. classic? I mean, they. You know, by the time we get to that point, there hopefully will be some type of vaccine that can be distributed to the public that would make people feel safe, but I don't know that that's a guarantee either. I think the only guarantee is if you look at the calendar year and you look at all the activity programs, everybody's going to end up being affected by this by the time it's all said and done. I mean, you go back to the finals of the state basketball tournament and then you roll it ahead a full calendar year and look at all the activities. I'm not sure anybody's coming out of this unscathed when it comes to alternate scheduling and all that stuff. I mean, I think there are places at the high school level you could run a spring. I mean, if you think about Texas, their state track meet happens end of April, early May because of spring football practice. Well, maybe they could roll things ahead and conduct it. I just don't know how it would work in our state. I, I just, I'm just not seeing it. Uh, Gary Swenson joining us, of course, uh, from Valley. Gary, what about practices? Uh, I mean, social distancing is is one of the buzz phrases, right? It's mm-hmm. it's about football and social distancing uh, don't exactly mm-hmm. go hand in hand. Have you put some plans on the drawing board, maybe to uh, 
change things up at practice? Is there anything you can do to make it safer to get to that Friday night when obviously social distancing goes out the window? But uh, from, from Friday to Friday, is there anything between the games that you can do differently? Well, I think there is. You can try to modify things, but it's like you said, those terms don't football and social <laughs> social distancing are really hard to put in the same sentence. Now, I don't know. There, even this summer, the training we're doing, we're trying to adapt things to keep that philosophy or that process in play, but... Boy, it it is difficult. I mean, you know, you're any you go to any school right now this week and go in their weight room, or if they're doing any skill development outside, you might see the presence of masks. You might see people trying to be further apart. Uh, I mean, I think we're all trying to do that. The hard thing about football, at some point, you're going to put your hand in the ground, and there's another guy right on your nose, and there's going to be contact. Well, don't. there's no talk of social distancing at that point. So do you just try and eliminate everything in practice that you normally do and then hope you can come through a game unscathed? I, I'm not sure how practical that is, but it, we will do what whatever directives come from the people that we all answer to, whether it comes down from the Department of Health to the Iowa High School Athletic Association to the local administration, whatever model they put out there as far as what we're supposed to follow, we will all do. So it's probably not time well spent right now to try to come Mm -hmm. up with what the Valley model is going to be, because I would assume we're all going to live in the same world if we get off the ground here with this season. And until somebody tells me what that's going to be, I'm not sure how practical it is for me to look ahead and try and plan a half season of practice thinking it might be this when it could be this. It's just like everything right now. It's just a little lot unknown. of questions and not a lot of answers. Indeed. Gary, listen, thank you. We will um, be back in your caller ID here in the weeks ahead as we get a little bit more clarity. Thank you, Gary Swenson. You Good to talk to you. Good talking to you guys. Yep. Gary Swenson, head coach of Valley. Uh, we'll come back 11 o'clock hour, maybe pick up on what we learned or what uh, Coach Swenson had to say. Uh, Matt Rudy coming up. We're going to talk some White Sox at 11 35 40 ish as well. We're here till noon. It's 1460 KXNO 106.3 FM.